began I can't begin to knowing But then I know it's growing strong it is 23 minutes after the hour here on the Toronto Arts Radio Show, and we're pleased to be joined by Mark Lev. He's with the Fenway Gridiron, and there are things taking place at Fenway Park, and uh, it's probably a good thing, given that the Red Sox uh, didn't quite make it out of the playoffs. So, uh, we're going to get the details on what the Fenway Gridiron is and what's coming so that uh, we all can enjoy. Good morning, Mark. Good morning. I don't think I've ever been introed with Sweet Caroline. That's a first. <laughs> well, you know, it is a it is a Boston favorite. What can you do? It is. It is indeed. So, Mark, uh, and I, first, let me apologize. I completely misread the email that your folks sent me, and for some reason, I had it in my head that you were calling Friday, not Wednesday. So it was my bad, and I accept responsibility. It was my screw up. So uh, uh, thanks for uh, putting up with the mistake and calling in this morning. No worries. I'm happy to, happy to be with you. Yeah. So just so you know, your your people didn't screw up. I did. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so Mark, what is we the won't hold it? We won't hold what, it against you. Well, I appreciate that. So, what is the Fenway Gridiron, and and what's it doing? It uh, what's what's it doing? So the Fenway Gridiron series is a uh, series of three college football games that are going to be hosted at Fenway Park beginning on uh, Friday night, November 10th, when uh, Dartmouth, um, which was the home team, I'm sorry, Brown is the home team, is uh, is playing Dartmouth. The following day, we have the University of Massachusetts hosting the University of Maine, and then the following Saturday, the 18th, the University of Connecticut is hosting Boston College. So this is a uh, continuation of football at Fenway. We, uh, you may recall, we had the uh, Notre Dame grit, um Shamrock Series back in 2015, and uh, you know, as we look to continue the the great legacy of football at Fenway, this is uh, the 2017 iteration of that. Gotcha. So, what is uh, how is Fenway actually as a place to watch a football game? Because I know sometimes it can actually be pretty tough to watch a baseball game, which it was designed to watch. So, how does that how does that work? It's actually a great venue for football, uh, largely because of its intimacy. Um, the, you're so close to the field, as you know, for, from baseball, and uh, the, just to, to, so that those folks that haven't seen football, a football field laid out on Fenway, just so they can visualize it. The end zones, one end zone's in front of the bullpen wall. The other end zone is located in front of the third base dugout. So okay. the seats on top of the Green Monster are spectacular. Um, you know, the, the sideline seats along the first baseline are great, and uh, you're right on top of the action in the bleachers and in the third base uh, uh, lows and grandstand uh, in those end zones. So it really is a terrific place to watch and um, uh, watch football. So it, it sounds like even the uh, the bleacher seats out in left field might be good places. They are. Those are going to be our student section, so we're expecting those areas to be pretty rowdy. <laughs> now, what it, what is the inspiration for, for bringing these colleges who, uh, you know, some of at least uh, one, uh, you know, three of the teams uh, maybe are sacrificing a uh, a home field advantage in a game that they would other play otherwise play at one of their one of their respective stadiums. So, what brought this about, and uh, what's what's in it for the colleges, really? Well, I think bro- broadly speaking, um, you know, we've been since since the ownership group John Henry and Tom Warner um, took over the club back in two thousand and two. 
we've really made a conscious effort to have Fenway be a year-round entertainment destination. And what started with a Bruce Springsteen concert uh, during the summer of 2003 has evolved into, uh, you know, over 70 concerts. We've had uh, soccer on multiple occasions. We've had Irish hurling. That we're bringing Irish hurling back again uh, this fall, uh, the day after the UConn game. Um, and, you know, part, it's, it's, it's so we're really looking for, for Fenway to be that uh, destination spot. Um, and, you know, as it relates to football, you know, there's a great legacy of football at Fenway dating back to the days shortly after it was opened in 1912. There were many, many college games, uh, high school games, and even the Boston Patriots of the AFL played football at Fenway in the 60s. So, hmm. you know, we, we love to bring back some of the history and resurrect that past um, and create some new new history, if you will. Um, and, and specifically as it relates to these games, um, you know, we were uh, approached by the folks at Brown um, who had an interest in, in, you know, in bringing a game to Fenway, and we were able to work something out with them, and it was great that they wanted to have a game against Dartmouth, another New England school. Similarly with UMass and their athletic director, Ryan Bamford, um, you know, they, they have uh, a large... Uh, percentage of their alums, as you might imagine, live in the greater Boston area. So to bring a football game into their backyard was something that they were interested in doing. And then lastly, University of Connecticut, um, you know, when we noticed that they had Boston College on their schedule, we reached out to their athletic director, Benedict, and um, and got them interested. And I, I, I hear you in that you, it, it could be viewed as they're losing a home game, but I'll tell you that the fans from each of those schools are traveling really well. So uh, we're expecting to, it to be a bit of a home field atmosphere, uh, albeit there will be, you know, certainly be probably be more representation from the road schools, just given the fact that the game's at Fenway. Gotcha. So what is Irish hurling, by the way? Irish hurling is a Gaelic sport, uh, that along with um, uh, Gaelic football, and I had never seen it played before until we brought it to Fenway back in 2015, and it is a, um, it's a stick and ball sport, but it is a combination of uh, lacrosse, rugby, football, it is really incredible, if anybody has not seen it, I encourage them to Google it or YouTube it, and uh see these guys who are actually amateurs, they're not professionals, they play for the pride of their counties back in Ireland and and for the love of the game. And when we had the event back in 2015, we had over 30,000 people show up to see it, which was really incredible, and we're excited to be bringing it back and hopefully, uh, you know, even having more folks come to watch it played on the 19th. Ah, sounds interesting. So... Um, this is more or less the uh, the grid uh, um, uh, the Fenway gridiron. It's more or less an initiative, as as I understand it, there just to to make the ballpark more useful and have more activity and, and associate it with more than just um, uh, you know the, the the baseball team where it sits idle for a good chunk of the year. Yes, definitely. It's you know it's it's one of many events that uh, we've brought to Fenway, and um, you know just to, to you may recall, we've gone to some great extremes too. With some of these, both literally and figuratively, uh, we had uh, the, the NHL Winter Classic back in 2010. Yeah, I that remember was followed that, yeah. by something we called Pros and Fenway. That we've now had on four different occasions where we partner up with Hockey East and bring college programs from around the region to play hockey at Fenway Park. And more recently, we actually constructed 
on which we had freestyle uh, snowboarders and three skiers jumping uh, <laughs> what looked like uh, from center field into the uh, the load seats behind home plate, which was rather spectacular. So, yeah, to your point, it is about uh, part of our broader strategy to make Fenway a year-round <laughs> entertainment destination and bring a, just a variety of events that bring a lot of different people uh, into the ballpark over the course of the year. Gotcha. Now, is it only sporting events that you guys work on, or do you also do concerts? We've had a lot of concerts. Uh, you know, as I mentioned, back in 2003 was the first concert that we hosted on the field okay. with Bruce Springsteen, and have had over 70 uh, since then. We had uh, 11 concerts last year, eight concerts this past summer, and that, that's definitely something that has become a, a staple um, in Boston, um, and in fact, Fenway um, has been um, listed as one of the top concert venues in the country uh, by both artists and, and fans, so it, it was definitely something that we will be continuing well into the future. Really? Well, no, I, 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 I do know that there have been concerts there. I just didn't know that it was part of your gridiron project, because when I think of gridiron, of course, I think of football in particular or just sports in general. So, um, Oh, yeah, right. No, that's right. So how many, uh, you know, this is kind of interesting because it would seem to me that, you know, your uh, your your peak time, say, to do concerts and whatnot would be during um, during actually the baseball season. So do you folks set mm-hmm. up the concerts mostly during the season or are there post or, or, or after season times when you do the concerts? Um, and what does that do yeah. logistically to the field? I mean, baseball fields are kind of finicky things. I know we, we just spend, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of dollars here in Manchester redoing the, the field for the Fisher cats. Um, you know, mm-hmm. so baseball fields are, you know, they're, they're kind of temperamental. I, I would think that, um, all of this stuff that you're doing to the field might have some impact on the turf and, you know, do you, do you try to minimize activity during the season or do you, you know, you, is the turf tougher than I'm making it out to be and you can get stuff in and get it out? Yeah, well, I'll tell you that the, the MVP in our organization is our groundskeeper, Dave Meller, who is the person that is uh, ultimately responsible for um, the maintenance of the field and, and restoring it to its pristine condition for baseball. Um, and I'd say that over the past 14 years that we've been doing events on the field, we've really perfected um, uh, the, that process, of the operations process and the logistics, and we've never had... Uh, any issues with the field following any of these events. That said, um, to, to answer your question, yes, the concerts are, are generally, the, the vast majority of them take place during the baseball season just for weather purposes. And it's really like putting a puzzle together. We work very closely with our partners at Live Nation to identify uh, acts that are touring and uh, seeing how that fits into the baseball schedule when the team is away for an extended road trip that allows for the setup and breakdown of staging uh, on the field, so it is a. Uh, we have somebody in our office that's dedicated to uh, to, to, to scheduling all of this. Um, um, and for the events that take place outside of the baseball season, you know there are instances where those events require a full field replacement. Where, uh, for example, after hockey or after the skiing event, we actually, which take place in the winter time, uh, the field is completely replaced and, and prepared for the start of the next season. Wow. Uh, so. Uh, it's a uh, it's it's a it's a pretty big undertaking, but you know, uh, as I mentioned, Dave Meller, who is our 
our most valuable player is uh, is probably uh, not probably he is the best in the business at this and uh, allows us to, to to be creative with all of these events that we bring into the ballpark. Gotcha. So let me ask you a question: How much money does it cost for a full field replacement? Oh boy, that I don't know the answer to <laughs> offhand, but uh, I'll let your your. your <laughs> I'll let you uh, let you you know on that. It uh, it's a it's a big undertaking. Let's put it that way. But yeah. um, you know what's most important is that when opening day rolls around, is that Fenway is in a condition that uh, we're we're also accustomed to seeing it in. Well, yeah, too, because you know it's not like there's a lot of time before the beginning of the baseball season to get uh, I would think new turf uh, rooted and squared away and, and ready to go because the weather doesn't really cooperate in uh, March and uh, you know March and early April to uh, you know. To have things take root, but uh, they obviously know what they're doing. How many people would you say come through Fenway a year for these events? I mean, are they always sellouts when you do them? How many people do you draw through Fenway as a result of this uh, of this initiative? Um, well, that's a, some, that's a function of how many of these non baseball events that take place. But um, is, is there an you know, average for, for the most part? Every every event that we have. Uh, the capacity fluctuates depending on the type of event. So, for example, when we have a concert set up and the stage is set up in center field, obviously the bleachers are, are killed and we don't put seats behind the stage. But that said, we add seats on the field. So, um, you know, generally speaking, between thirty and 35,000 people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we, we strive to have every event sold out, as you might imagine, um, some perform slightly better than others, but I would say, you know, on average, we're we're bringing over thirty thousand people in for each of these events. Wow! Is there sort of like an average ticket price, or does that vary based? I'm sure it varies, but you know, if uh, like for the for these uh, football games, what are the tickets for these football games versus what are the tickets say uh, the ticket for uh, say a typical concert? It really varies. The ticket prices for the concerts are established by the artists. We don't really have uh, much of input in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the non-baseball events, it, it, it fluctuates depending on the event. But the, the, the seats are scaled in, sim- in price similarly as they are for a baseball game. Gotcha. All right. If people want to learn more about uh, these events that you are arranging, Mark, uh, how, do they, how do they do that? They want to keep in touch with you and, and keep an eye on it throughout the, uh, throughout the year. Very simple. They just have to log on to redsox.com slash gridiron, and uh, all of the information will be there. All right. Mark Lev of the Fenway Gridiron, we appreciate your being with us here this morning on the Toronto Large Radio Show to let our listeners know all the fun and exciting things happening at Fenway outside of the Red Sox season. Hello? Oh. Hello. Oh, oh, thank you. <laughs> All right. Sorry about that. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> no, no worry. Take care, Mark. All right. That's uh, RedSox.com, I think he said, slash gridiron for more. Sounds like fun. We're going to take a break for traffic, weather, and sports. Then James Patrick Riley will be on the air. The execution confession of a counterfeiter in 1773, an arrest gone bad, and oh, so much more. Be sure to tune in.